Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Our sermon text for our meditation this morning is our gospel lesson, recorded for us in the Gospel of St. Luke, the 13th chapter, verses 1 through 9. To bring us back into this text, I'd like to share with you the final three verses once again. So he said to the gardener, Look, for three years now I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and I have found none. Cut it down. Why even let it use up the soil? But the gardener replied to him, Sir, leave it alone this year also until I dig around it and put fertilizer on it. If it produces fruit next year, fine. But if not, then cut it down. Lord, these are your words, and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, the popular TV show, or I should say online series, The Chosen, has been applauded for portraying Jesus and his disciples as real, down-to-earth people that the audience can easily relate to. In fact, in that series, Jesus and his disciples are often shown even laughing and joking with one another. We might wonder, was Jesus at times like this? We don't see any examples necessarily in the Bible, but could it be that Jesus at times was lighthearted, that he is filled with joy and laughter even? I would like to think so. I think, especially in the scriptures, we see Jesus show other human emotions, such as sadness and anger, and so it doesn't seem too out of place that he might also show laughter and even joke. Well, it's good for us as Christians to have joy in our own lives, to even joke and, and laugh at times. It's also for, important for us, though, to be serious about certain things. In our lesson for today, we see that Jesus is serious about something. Jesus is serious about repentance. And this morning, we consider how Jesus is serious about our need for it, and also how he is serious about cultivating its fruit. Now, I wonder if we really give much heed in our own lives to the judgment. You know, in our everyday lives, we think about the rules and the laws all around us, maybe rules at school, maybe rules at work, maybe laws in our country, and we're careful to follow those rules, we're careful to follow those laws, or we try because we know what might happen if we don't. We might get in trouble with the principal or with the boss. We might get a ticket or we might get thrown in jail, and so we want to be careful to follow those rules. But are we really so concerned about God's rules, God's laws? Is it really that big of a deal if we have hatred or lust in our heart, or if we gossip? Is it really that big of a deal if we skip church? After all, we don't see God striking people dead with lightning bolts. We don't see angels coming with celestial handcuffs to haul us away before God's heavenly throne. So we maybe don't give much thought to the judgment. And yet Jesus knows judgment day is a very real thing. And he knows where we would be if we were to stand before God on our own record. And so for that reason, in our lesson for today, he beckons us, repent. Now, a few weeks ago, my wife shared with me a video that she found online, a video of a comedian and something tragic that happened during one of her shows. The comedian was in the, in the midst of a bit as she was talking about how she had just received a number of medical shots. She had received the COVID shot and even the booster. 
She had also received the, the flu vaccine and even a shingle shot. She went on to mention how she had traveled abroad, even gone to Mexico twice, done plenty of meet and greets, mingled with all sorts of people, and yet she didn't get COVID. She went on to say, clearly, Jesus loves me the most. It was only a split second later that she fell on the floor, cracked her skull, and she was having a seizure. The crowd at first thought it was part of the act, but then were horrified when they found out it, that it was real. You know, looking at many of the comments online, many people maybe had this sort of reaction to that video. Good. God showed her. You know, those comedians, they're always filled with so much vulgarity and blasphemy. God finally put one of them in their place. He shut her up pretty quick. Our lesson for today Jesus wants to show us that that sort of thinking is in error. The people that day brought him this story of these Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus himself mentions this well-known news story of these 18 individuals that had died when the Tower of Siloam had collapsed. And so he asked the people, were the others, or were they much more sinful than the other people? Galileans or the people in Jerusalem? Is that the reason that these bad things happen to them? He tells them plainly, no. We can often think that the reason terrible things happen to certain individuals is maybe because of a specific sin that they committed uh, or because of their unbelief that God was bringing his judgment upon these people. Maybe even we ourselves can be filled with pride to say, well, at least I'm a little bit better than, than they. That's the reason why those terrible things didn't happen to me. There are examples in Scripture, of course, of God at times bringing judgment upon people directly for their sin. We can't overlook the flood. We can't overlook Sodom and Gomorrah. God certainly brought those people to justice specifically for sins they had committed. However, Jesus wants us to know that's not always the reason why tragedy happens. In fact, we think about the story shared in John chapter 9 of a man who was born blind. The religious leaders thought they knew why that happened. Well, it had to be that that man sinned or that his parents sinned. But Jesus says, no, that wasn't the case. Sometimes bad things happen simply because we live in a world that's broken by sin. And Jesus, in our lesson for today, wants us to understand that. He doesn't want us to, to jump to conclusions when it comes to people's sin and when it comes to why those things happen. But more importantly, he wants them to be a lesson for us. You know, when I first saw that video of that comedian who collapsed on stage from a seizure, I was kind of surprised at my initial reaction. It wasn't good, God finally got one of them or punished one of them. It was fear. It was fear. When I saw that what she had done, yes, it was blasphemy. She was making fun of God. Yes, she was, clearly, sure. But it seemed to be such a minor thing, such a small thing compared to the many other blasphemies. Even I, myself, have spoken in my own life. Things that I have done. It was striking for me to think about God's judgment able to so quickly come down. 
that could happen to me. Thanks be to God, though, that he is gracious to us, that he has been patient with us, not bringing judgment quickly upon us as we deserve, but giving us a time of grace for us to repent. What does that word mean, repent or repentance? When we think about repentance, we often think about feeling sorry for our sins. And the scripture uses that term repentance in that way many times, to feel sorry for your sins. But it also, and many other times, uses repentance in a broader way to describe not just sorrow over sin or regret for having done something wrong, but also turning in faith to the one who forgives sins, to trust in Jesus as your Savior. You see, repentance is really that that full action of recognizing one's sin and turning from their sin in faith to their Savior, Jesus Christ. God has shown incredible patience to us in our own lives, hasn't we? That repentance might happen for us. But repentance isn't a work that we do. It's a work that God does in us, isn't it? It's a work of God the Holy Spirit who convicts us of our sin. God the Holy Spirit who also leads us to faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ, to know that all of those sins are washed away in Him. Now, sometimes we can think of repentance as kind of a one-time thing. Yes, it's important for people to repent during their conversion, to see their sin and to turn in faith to their Savior, Jesus Christ. Really, the Bible describes repentance as something that's ongoing, something for us to do every day of our lives. In the very first of Luther's 95 theses, he said this, When our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ, said, Repent, He willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. It's every day God would have us see our sin again and turn in faith to our Savior Jesus Christ to know his love for us. Our lesson for today, Jesus goes on to share a parable. A parable of a man who owned a vineyard and had a fig tree planted in that vineyard. And he went often to check the tree for fruit, but... Even after three years, he didn't find any fruit, and so he commands the gardener to cut down that tree. It's very clear from this parable what God desires for us in our own lives. Not just for us to see our sin, to feel sorry for our sins, to turn in faith to our Savior Jesus Christ, but also that fruit, fruit that results from repentance might be shown in our own lives. What is that? What are these fruits? Maybe think of fruits connected to repentance, things that show on the outside, maybe our tears of sorrow over our sin, maybe our regret for what we have done, maybe not going back to those sins, but it includes even more. Think about John the Baptist in the midst of his fire and brimstone sermon. You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. John certainly wanted to show those self-righteous religious leaders their sin. But what did he mean, produce fruit in keeping with repentance? In the very next verse, he goes on. Every tree that does not produce good fruit is going to be cut down and thrown into the fire. The crowds began to ask him, what should we do then? 
By his examples, Jesus certainly was telling them to avoid sin, to not go back to their sin, but he is also encouraging them to do good, to produce good works, fruits of faith that, that flowed from faith, that reflected the love of God that Christians know in their Savior, Jesus Christ. But can we do these sorts of things on our own? Now, perhaps that command to bear fruit is maybe not so dissimilar to someone coming up to a tree outside and commanding it, bear fruit. You know, even if that tree could understand you, what might it say? Probably would say, well, I can't. I need someone to cultivate my soil. I need someone to fertilize me. I need someone to give me water and sunlight. Then fruit can be produced. So too it is with us. We, by ourselves, cannot produce fruit, fruit that results from repentance. God must produce that fruit in us. And so we think of the gardener in our lesson for today. We think about that gardener that asked for more time from the owner of the vineyard. And what did he say? He asked for more time that he might cultivate that tree, that he might fertilize it so that good fruit might be produced, fruit that would be signs, evidence of faith. Isn't that a beautiful picture of our Savior Jesus Christ? The one who himself advocates on our behalf, who pleads our case before the Heavenly Father, that he not bring his righteous judgment upon us for our sins. Rather, he points to himself and what he has done. He points to his death on the cross for sin, that we not be punished eternally for our sin, but be spared. And he pleads with the Heavenly Father that he himself is going to work those fruits of repentance in us. We think about the way in which he works upon us. He works upon us not with a gardening hoe, not with fertilizer, but he works upon us through the means of grace, doesn't he? Through his word and through his sacraments. How he uses his word upon us to reveal our sin again and again, to show us the things that we have done wrong. But also he uses that same word and he uses his sacraments to, to bring us the certain hope of the forgiveness of all of our sins. In fact, he's doing it right now. He's doing it through his called servant, who he has sent here today to assure you that your sins are forgiven, that even your sins, when you have rushed to judgment, when you have maybe even delighted in the death of the wicked, when you've been happy that they are condemned, even your sins for failing to obey his law, even your sins of returning back again to that sin you promised God you'd never do, that all of that has been forgiven in Christ. Jesus continues to work. He continues to cultivate and to fertilize you as he strengthens your faith. And he also produces good fruit in you. Now that fruit that's produced isn't simply sorrow over sin, but it's acts of love toward our neighbor. We think about the fruits of the Spirit that are mentioned in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That same God that brought us to repentance is that same God who brings forth these fruits of faith in our own lives. 
Now, over the years, I've heard a number of my parishioners at this parish and also at my previous parish really come up to me with great concern, and they say, Pastor, you know, we should really maybe start a homeless shelter here, or we should, we should really have a soup kitchen, or we should really have a home for the elderly here, establish that at our church so that we can show acts of love toward our neighbor. And certainly those are, are good things, and we certainly can do those things. But it's good for us to know that this is not the only place, and this in fact maybe is not even the primary place where we can show that love for our neighbor. We think of the opportunities that God has given us that are far beyond these walls. Opportunities to show love in our own homes with our own families. To show the love that God has shown for us in Christ with our spouse, with our kids, with our parents. Think of the opportunities in your own places of work, in your own neighborhood. We can reflect Christ's love that he has shown to us, love that has spared us eternal damnation and destruction, that love of Christ that forgives all of our sins. There's so many more opportunities than just here in church. There's way more out there. The big reason we come here, though, is to be fed and nourished, to be cultivated and fertilized by God's word and sacraments. We can be brought to see our sin, but especially to see our Savior, and through that, be encouraged in our acts of love and our fruits of faith that God is working in us. We might be afraid, though. What if I have no fruit, Lord? Lord, I try to act in love, but my anger gets the best of me. Lord, what if I am found in the judgment to have no fruit? Well, Jesus even comforts us if we have that worry. Or he reminds us in his word where there is faith, there is fruit. You see, Jesus says in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he it is who bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He says that he is the source of that fruit. Connected to him by faith, we will produce fruit. Even when we ourselves don't recognize us, don't know it, that fruit is being produced in us. And so we pray to God that he continues to act in us, continue to produce that fruit, fruit of faith in our own lives. So what do you think? Do you think Jesus was serious all the time? I'd like to think at times Jesus was lighthearted, maybe even joked with his disciples. He certainly was serious about many things. Let's understand that Jesus was definitely serious about repentance. Let us also be serious about repentance as well. To regularly repent of our sins, to confess the things that we have done wrong, but not fail to turn in faith to our Savior Jesus Christ, the one who has forgiven all of our sins. May we pray that God continues to produce fruits of faith in us that flow from repentance. Amen. Please rise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.